G'day and welcome to another episode of the Oz F1 show. My name's James. I'm joined by my friends and yours when it suits them. Tommy T. G'day, mate. G'day. And Campy. Boys, how are we? Yes, good. Thank you. Uh, welcome to another episode. We're going to be talking about the season of 2021. It's going to be a hell of a lot better than last season, we Ooh. hope, and mainly because Danny Rick's going to get on a lot more podiums with oh, yeah. McLaren, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, what we thought we'd do first is talk about uh, the tracks, and and it's a bit, bit of a different layout this year. And, of course, we were at uh, Albert Park yesterday going around, and it's a bit weird in March or getting close to, getting close to March in February, I should say, Without any kind of action at all, no nothing, building, no people, pollards moving, nothing. nothing. It's weird. Too many so cyclists why, is what's why going aren't on. We going to Melbourne, boys. Well, you tell us, Campy, oh. because you're the ex- resident expert oh, on what's wrong with the Victorian government. Our government has overreacted. I said at the uh, in our last podcast to end the year that F1 has proved right throughout 2020 that it can go internationally, uh, intercontinentally, uh, to three different continents, right across Europe. And have a COVID safe plan at work, so why is it any different coming to Australia? Well, we don't listen to reason and logic over here, so <laughs> that's about the reason we're not having a race when it should be. <laughs> no, no, but it sucks because yeah. for our city, it's great for our city, it's a great celebration, there's a heap of jobs and there's a heap of stuff that comes with it, but it's also the traditional start of the year and everyone really looks forward to coming to Australia. Um, just because it's a great place to be around, great people. But the track, too, is really good first track off the gate. And, uh, yeah, it's just frustrating that we're not getting it. We will get it later on in the year, and mm. I think all the infrastructure will stay set up for next year so that it kicks off again as the first race in March. In saying that, wouldn't surprise me if we lose the race to somewhere else either because our state government can't get it together. Yeah, it would. Uh, it's currently around the 19th of November, so hopefully that – uh, remains, but uh, Tommy T, we're we're starting then not in Australia. We're going to Bahrain, and we're not the good Bahrain. In Bahrain, because mm. uh, <laughs> not Bahrain too. We enjoyed Bahrain, no, Bahrain too. Bahrain too yeah, is Bahrain fun. Too is mm. uh, I'm not a fan of Bahrain. No, no. I'm no. kind of waiting until we get to. I'm not a fan of the Middle East, to be honest. Any, <laughs> good. Anything in the Middle East is pretty mediocre. All right, <laughs> I, I'm I'm thinking Monaco. Monaco. I don't know what it's going to be like mm. with COVID though. I think that could be really interesting. Because, I mean, you've got to shut the city anyway to some respects while the race is on. Yeah. So I don't know if it's really going to make much of a difference. Just have to get the yachts socially distanced and then <laughs> as long as Kimmy knows where That's his 1. is. That's 1.5 from the barrier. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be happy. Good luck telling people in Monaco what to do. Mm, is that's, my advice. that's a very good point. Money, but with Bahrain, with the Bahrain being the first, it means that testing isn't in Spain this year. Thank goodness. Oh. I am so bored with Barcelona as a track at the best of times. Barcelona. Uh, but we're, instead of going Barcelona. to Barcelona, we're going to Bahrain for testing. Um, and that's going to be somewhat interesting, I suppose, although it's not going to really give a, a true indication because uh, the Bahrain track is just isn't that exciting. But anyway, uh, it, the big changes up front means uh, we've lost China and we've lost Australia at the front. Uh, Italy uh, is we're yet to be confirmed, mm. but we're going to Imola. Uh, seems to be the plan. What has happened to Vietnam? Disappointing, yeah, that we haven't that got Vietnam. That track on paper and all the sims I saw of it looked spectacular. Yeah. We didn't get to go there last year because of COVID. Would have thought that would be the first track that was back on it. The, the amounts that the government's... Uh, spent on getting that track mm. up to FIA standards mm. is remarkable. For it to not be even be on the calendar this year says to me something's going on behind closed doors. That's that, exactly uh, what's happening. Some <laughs> issues there. Politics, but- and we don't know about it. We know that uh, Liberty Media gets 
the FIA to do their bidding for them and doesn't really give us a straight answer. <laughs> it's totally so. not very dark. Very allegedly. Allegedly. All we get allegedly is, is a good positivity from Formula One and Liberty Media and they get the FIA to make all their hard choices for them. That's what good. happens. Uh, coming up next in Campy's rant podcast about Formula One. <laughs> Uh, but the, in terms of the tracks where we're going, um, it's it's the usual calendar, really. Uh, the the one of note later in the year uh, is Jeddah, uh, of which I said last year was a completely irrelevant track mm. to put into the calendar, and I still don't even want to see it this year, to be honest. No, nope. um, we're going back. Look, let's just go through the good ones, right? Monaco, Baku, Montreal, France. France Port- sucks. Portugal sucks. <laughs> Spielberg, which one's that? Which ring's the Austria ring? <laughs> Campy always mistakes his rings. He doesn't know which ring's which ring. That extends beyond Formula One, too. Uh, Silverstone would be good. Yeah. Uh, Hungary's Spa. good. Hungary's Spa's right. good. Hungaro ring, Campy. Hungaro ring. Zandvoort, that would be good for the Dutchies, but it would be a rubbish track. It would be a rubbish uh, track. We be. do not want to see. Molds yeah. is always good. Russia, you can give or take. That's rubbish. I don't think it's the national anthem. The national anthem. It's the best part. Singapore would be good to go back there. Bit of a night race in the streets. That'll be nice. Suzuka's always good. Suzuka's great. Suzuka is fantastic. Austin, mate, USA, come on, stars and stripes. What do you think? Do you reckon our chances are good getting to the States? Yeah, we're going to plan it. We're going to try and get to Austin. No, not us, as in F1, mate. (laughs) Not we want to go. Do you reckon COVID will let us? Yeah, we'll get it. Mate, the States are awesome. Can't be shouting us. It's in Texas. (laughs) Texas knows how to run stuff properly. Unlike the rest of them. Um, <laughs> Brazil's good. Melbourne, we won't have it, so don't worry about it. <laughs> and then we're back to the Middle East. That's a shithole, so what's the point? Certainly, certainly if Melbourne doesn't happen, the spiritual finish of the season is Brazil. Yes. Uh, which yes. we love. But if Melbourne does happen, it goes back to old school where Adelaide was the last yeah. race of the year. So, yeah. look, I hope it does happen. I hope we are able to get the COVID bubble sorted out and Formula One can show to the state government that it is able to operate within parameters. But aside from from all of that, it's just going to be fantastic to go racing again on some kind of schedule. And we said this last year when we started racing, we weren't going to complain about any tracks whatsoever. That lasted not even one race. <laughs> we were just so excited to have F1 back and that's all we want and then it sucked. And then rubbish. Uh, but anyway, so that's that. you can find all that information uh, on our website too. Tommy T will, will pop that up uh, to look at it there. But uh, what we'll also do in this pod is go over all of the drivers, have a chat about them and the teams as well. So we're just going to start... Uh, at the back of the pack with Williams. Um, uh, there's no ch- driver change lineup here for, for the team for this year. The only addition is one uh, Jensen Button coming into the team Love as an JB. advisor. And we're a big fan of JB here at Oz F1. Yep. Uh, we've been assured that he will remain within his Sky F1 duties too, which is fantastic because he's one of two good ones uh, on there. Um, not that he's ever there enough. He leaves Martin Brundle to do all the heavy lifting and everyone else. Goodbye. I love those white silk Ted. pants that Nico Hulk and Nico, <laughs> Ro- Nico Rosberg. Nico does have the best fashion. When Campy sure. stands up, you'll see he's uh, sporting the, the pants by Rosberg. Hey, and he's we're got all a, business up here. It's party he's downstairs. got a jacket over Whoa. there from the Apatari collection as well, I'm sure. Yeah. But let's talk about William. So uh, George Russell obviously had a very roller coaster year last year. 
going to Mercedes and then thinking that he was going to be driving twice and then Lewis um, was miraculously better last minute to, to jump into the car. Um, but he really showed himself as a driver last year, didn't he, Tommy? Uh, and especially around Mugello when he just sent it off the track as a rallier and seemed to have lost no time at all. I mean, he showed real potential. He's a great driver going into his third season, are we talking? Third. Third yep. season. So now's the time to really start getting consistent points. He got some points last year. Yay, about time. <laughs> uh, Not with Williams, Two whole seasons in, you finally got a point. Congratulations, yeah. <laughs> Carl. Really well done. Still hasn't been out qualified. Still hasn't been out qualified in a Williams. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was in a Merck. Yeah. So Also not hard, is um, it, really? No. With his teammate, no. our favourite Canadian? Uh, Latifi, I could give a take, man. Like, yeah. I'm not impressed. Our favourite favorite Canadian on the I'm group. not disappointed, though, to be honest. Like, First season was fine. Interesting. This is the first time in a long time that Williams hasn't changed a driver. Yeah. Which is odd. Mm. So he's clearly, apart from bringing sponsorship money, he's clearly doing something else well, and that is collecting data at the back. He does seem like a nice guy. He seems like (laughs) a nice guy to have around. I literally heard him talk last year, and I was like, whoa, that's what you sound like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I just never saw him. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be an interesting year for him. He's kind of one of those ones. He's not squeaky wheel, so you don't have to get rid of him. Just let him keep going until you've got something better to put in that seat. I feel for him because he gets a shot in F1, albeit he's paying for it. Yep. Um, which is what Williams has done for the last six seasons, so it's not a shock to us that it's happening. But the frustration for him is I'm paying all this money and I'm not getting I'm not getting a car that I can perform on on track. And unfortunately, he's up against the driver of George Russell, who we can see can move into the top car and perform at the top level um, with the best of them. So yeah. for him, if Russell can't even get close to um, him this year, I think it's all over for it'd be like his last year in the sport, I think. Yeah. But I'm rooting for him. Good on him. We don't hear a lot about him. He's not highly publicised or talked about driver, but... Um, Hopefully he can get some results this year. I think he needs just to beef up his qualifying. He's been sort of consistently three to three and a half tenths off George Russell, and if he can pick that side of his game up, I think he'll be right. Yeah. Uh, let's hope he doesn't axe himself on some more overhead cables coming out of <laughs> an interview with Johnny Herbert for, for this year. Uh, let's talk about the most controversial team at the moment, which is Haas. Um, the least controversial driver we'll start with, uh, which is uh, Mick Schumacher. Um, now, he's just had some running in a Ferrari, 2018 Ferrari, which is pretty cool, uh, along with the rest yep. of the Ferrari Academy. Um, look, big things to come from him, and not just because of the name. I think early on last year we were sort of saying, oh, well, you know, he's only going to get a drive because he's got the name of Schumacher. But he won the Formula 2 world title, and as I said last year, we don't need an influx of young talent, but if you win F3, you should be able to go to F2, which is what Oscar Piastri did. And if you win F2, you should be able to go to F1, which is what's happening here. So yeah. at least on this side of the garage for Haas, it uh, it looks pretty good. And, I mean, the team has now got some some people in Ferrari, actually, in Maranello, the little Haas area. So the Haas hub. The Haas hub. The Haas <coughs> hub. Which is a great name, but it, it means that they're actually investing. And then I always thought Alfa Romeo would have been where it was at for them to spend, Ferrari to spend their mm. time. But two young drivers, you know, this is the Junior Academy yeah. drive like Alpha Tauri is to Red Bull here. But Schumacher, do you think he's going to be able to, to compete with someone like George Russell? Cars uh, kind of similar down the back there. I really liked his consistency. He wasn't always at the top, but he was always doing really well, getting the most out of the car, consistent lap times, qualifying well. 
I think that's all you can ask for really in a, in a feeder team like Haas. Mm. I think you're going to get those results from him. Like he's not going to have those brain fade moments and do stupid stuff potentially. He's just going to keep the car on the track, do really, really well as best he can each week. And yeah. that's really good for a junior driver. I really hope they get somewhere further towards the, the mid-pack this year. They really struggled last year and we know the reasons yeah. for that. Hopefully they've been able to fix that. And again, this Ferrari meddling will, will help fix it. Uh, your thoughts on, on Mick Schumacher, Campy? Oh, he's done everything right to get the to get into F1. Has he paid for the good drives throughout the feeder formulas? Absolutely. Um, being in that Prema team is uh, that is the place to be. And you know, mm. it's, you know, it's upwards of half a million bucks, eight hundred fifty thousand, to get into these seats. And he's done the right thing, though. He's taken his opportunities. He's got there. He's a better driver than Mazepin, and that will build his stock that he beats his teammates this year. So that's a good thing. Let's talk about Mazepin uh, because we can't not. He is on the grid, the grid for, for 2021. There was a lot of talk about him not being on the grid for 2021, but I think, you know, if you thought that that was a possibility, probably don't know the sport of Formula One all that well in terms of the money that he's bringing. Mm. Uh, Tommy T, in our last uh, podcast for the 2020 season, you mentioned, you know, or surely with the, the monetary changes and financial changes yeah. for, for Formula One, maybe it isn't so much about money, but Campy, you sort of said that it, it always will be regardless of the budget caps, right? Yeah. And, and this is the same in this instance. Well, if a team owner like Jim Haas is going to go, right, I'm going to put the best driver I can possibly get in my car in one seat and then the other seat, if someone's willing to pay me 25 to 50 million euros a year for that seat, he's going to take it. Like, yeah, yeah. You can't not refuse that sort of money. Um, I don't mm-hmm. like it. We as fans don't like to see it. We mm. want the best drivers getting their jobs on merit. But unfortunately, it's just the way it is. But I don't, I don't hold it against Haas to do it. Mm. The problem for them this year is they had two very competent drivers leave their squad in Kevin yeah. Magnussen and uh, Roman Grosjean last year. And I think it's going to be a big change to them having two young, inexperienced drivers. Wouldn't seem if the, wouldn't surprise me if they're at the bottom of the pack for the mm. first half of the year just yeah. because, um, because they've got two new drivers. The guys that left, competent. Yep. And really, like, they didn't set the line on fire, but they were competent, good career drivers in, F, in F1. And uh, I think it was interesting they got rid of both of them and went for two new rookies because that'll be the detriment to their season this year. Do you yeah. think that was because they were the junior team now and they kind of have to do those kind of things for Ferrari? That's kind yeah. of now their role in F1 is well, lost of new talent. Grosjean, yeah. Grosjean had five years in that seat and the experience he bought when Haas was uh, Haas's inception into yeah. F1, bought experience. Kevin Magnussen was there for four years and he came in on the second. They had their chance there. Um, yeah. Unfortunate. It's not any of their fault that they didn't get the results of the car that they wanted on track. Um, but they're two very good drives, so it'd be interesting to see what we think of them in retrospect with two inexperienced drivers coming in this year. I think your point is right, though. We didn't really know about the Haas hub before mm. the announcement of the two new boys, uh, but with them being boys, literally compared to K-Mag and Roman, uh, part of the deal would have been from a team principal point of view and Gunther, he's like, well, how do I get this car better and closer towards the front? Having that 
Ferrari inside time is. Can we rent an a office? Thing. Can we? Sorry, can I hot desk inside Ferrari? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great idea. Do that. Uh, but now for a moment, we were surprised that uh, Giovinazzi was announced that he was staying, but we were also glad in the same time because it actually gives an opportunity to learn more from Kimi. He's not a terrible driver. He has amazing hair, like Tommy T. Great hair. Uh, (laughs) He doesn't have the receding to go along with it. (laughs) It's hidden by a cat this time. How convenient. Um, But we love love, uh, Kimi Raikkonen. Obviously, if you listen to Oz F1 before, you'll know that that is the case. Uh, Giovinazzi came to light to me when they drove around the actual Nürburgring um, and Kimmy scared the living daylights out of him, which was fantastic. And just good to see. And I think we just haven't seen that much uh, banter coming out from Gio. It's we'll been very Sky focused. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Why not? <laughs> uh, but talk us through Kimmy Raikkonen's last, what will be his last year in Formula One, which surely, is sad, isn't it? Surely his last year. Unfortunately for Kimmy, he's um, the most consistent driver on the grid. Mm. Even his years with Ferrari, he wasn't as good or getting the results that Sebastian Vettel was gooding. But um, he is a consummate professional at a pure racer at heart, and he's done it on multiple categories over multiple decades now. Um, he's the granddad of the, the drivers still out there, and everyone around the world loves him. He's universally loved and accepted, great sense of humour. Um, he's good for any team that he goes into. And um, for Alfa Romeo, I think he'll be good this year. Um and I think it's probably just more in designing the car for next year. He'll just be giving all the right feedback, all the technical um, analysis that's needed from a driver of that, that esteem. Unfortunately for him, Alvaro Romeo is not going to set the lights. Yep. You know, they're not going to set a light the track this year, which is unfortunate. If Ferrari get their shit together with the engine and provide a good engine to the feeder teams of Alfa Romeo and Haas. We could see them further up the grid. And I think Alfa Romeo, on that, with the experienced drivers, will actually beat Haas because of that. Yeah, you'd hope so. With Kimi was just absolutely superstarring it and last year, and he continues to. But uh, Giovinazzi and Kimi's relationship for you? I I like him. I think Giovinazzi is going to be a decent driver. Like, we saw he qualify quite well, which means he's got that one lap pace. So... If he can hang out with Kimmy, get a bit more kind of racecraft under his belt, a bit more Sundays, as we'd say. But I don't know. I don't think we've seen enough of him to really make a judgment mm. yet. We just we kind of catch one or two lap glimpses of him and then that's it. And then we're like, oh, he finished all right. Cool, yeah. good weekend. And we're never that interested really in the back of the pack when it comes to it. Uh, well, no. maybe we are interested. We just never get shown the back of the pack. Yes. At TV directors watching this, please maybe just think about showing anyone apart from Lewis Hamilton. Thank you very much. That would be very kind of you. Um, let's talk about uh, Campy's favourite team uh, because of him owning the entire Alpha Tauri collection now. And he was a runway model for them uh, at the end of last year. But unfortunately, because of lockdown, he couldn't fly over to Paris to to do the show, which was a shame. Yeah, uh, yeah front row seats. Your favourite driver, though, Pierre Gasly. Mm, great um, gag, Jim. Great you, got, <laughs> you were going to hang out with him. Uh, Pierre Gasly. Uh, yeah, he's a dud. Still, whip, still whipping boy? Yeah, totally. We haven't changed whipping boy this season yet? Not yet. Reserving uh, judgment. Well, I'm looking at the list. I don't know who else there is to be really be a whipping boy, so Gasly's got to be it. For now. Um, Sorry, Pierre. Look, Alpha Tauri again. I mean, you would hope they're the sister, they're the sister team. Two oh, years ago. Yes. Um, you would hope they get their <laughs> shit together and they're, they're somewhat comparable to their sister team in Red Bull, but... Can't see it happening. Uh, Gasly, 
is the leader in that team now and he will have to take on a hell of a lot more responsibility because of Yuki Sonoda coming in. So, um, you know, Fridays and Saturdays, particularly in FP1, FP2 and FP3 for Gasly, are going to be a hell of a lot more critical than what they were for him last year where it yeah. was spread the load. So um, hopefully the car's easy to drive for him and the pre- he doesn't feel the pressure. Yeah. But he's an F1 driver. Not in a top seat and not setting the world alight. Therefore, mm. he will have constant pressure, um, constant review on him, and he's probably only got one more year if he doesn't spank Sonoda this year, which he probably will. But um, he needs to get out of the Red Bull frame, but I can't see it happening. There's no other team going to take a punt on him, I don't think. It's funny that it ended up being Gasly who was able to survive the second Red Bull seat, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah. When you, you look know, back. Albon, and if you didn't watch Formula 1 last year, uh, I'm sure Drive to Survive will be out around the time this uh, episode goes live. Uh, watch it because I tell you what, it's going to be phenomenal. I can just t- tell you that without even seeing it yet. But Albon really suffered the the loss of that seat. Gasly, there was a big hoo-ha around him losing his seat. He got his uh, second place in Brazil, drag racing Hamilton up to the end, and that was a phenomenal shot and great for him to have that. Mm. Uh, I still feel bad for Alex, to be honest. He's yeah. being wheeled out as the uh, reserve driver. But anyway, in saying that, Yuki Tsunoda, uh, trying, are we trying to appease Honda here so we yeah. keep the motor? I mean, they're staying in MotoGP now until 2026, they've just announced. So, yeah. you know, the... <laughs> The ability to go in motorsport and Honda stays together. Uh, it's hard, isn't it, to see what the future is with these guys? Honda just changed their mind constantly. Mm. I think Yuki did really well. I think he he surprised later on in the seasons once he found like a grasp of those cars, both mm. in F, uh, in Formula Three and Formula Two. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Like I think he's going to have to really perform, and like Camby said, he's going to have to really share that load and help Pierre out as a teammate in practices doing long runs, doing all those kind of things and just doing his job and then keeping that car safe and bringing it home. That's kind of his job. We're not expecting much. He's going to be close to the back. So no. if he can do that for his first season. No, he needs to be competing from race one, session one and putting pressure on Gasly because that's why Red Bull have signed these guys. The reason that Red Bull went outside of their talent pool and getting Checo at the end of last year is because the talent pool in there wasn't good enough to keep up with Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen. So, therefore, them taking Sonata, they're taking a risk on another young kid and they're not going to take any more risks. If he's not on par with Gasly and pressuring him and beating him, he's not going to – he's just not going to – Can you around. see that happening? Absolutely. You Absolutely. Reckon? Yeah. Wow. You don't think much of Gasly. You really don't at all. <laughs> well, no, he has to do it like he has to for his career. Unfortunately, if you look at most drivers in the Red Bull Junior program, going back to Albus Suarez and Sebastian Buemi, you've got to perform from bang on, wow. from day one. That's a lot we've to put seen, on a rookie. No, but we've seen – no, but the good ones do it like yeah. Danny Ricks. Right? Oh, I don't and think, I don't think any of us have got you stupendous as that, though, to be honest. Mm. Well, why would you give him a drive in the first place? Because they want an engine. Well, exactly. Yep. And, and <laughs> there it is. And there's politics here. But for Yuki's career, he has to perform day one and get the job done. He has to be pressuring Gasly. So, yep. um, yeah, that Red Bull program is brutal. 
Mm. It's dead. I think Renault's got the dri- young driver talent now. But they've put up with shit drivers for the last two years in their top team, three yeah. years since Kvyat. Because there was nothing coming through. Nothing coming through. So they've taken a pun on this kid, thinking he's going to be the be all and end all. But I don't think he will be. Yeah, well, they lost Carlos Sainz and Danny Rick in the same moment. Yeah, and which, Sebastian. And said, <laughs> look, it, it just, yeah. It, yeah, we have an opinion Ugh. about Red Bull and go and listen to some of our podcasts from last year. And Great, great team, that. great car, awesome. At the Get time. it right. <laughs> yeah. That, that. <laughs> awesome. Step up. Let's talk about uh, Ferrari because Ferrari really this year needs to be better than last year. Last year they were terrible. Uh, and, I mean, there's not a lot to, to look at this year in terms of what jumps that they can make forward compared to 2022 and the new regulations coming in there. But they have to be better. They have made some aerodynamic changes. Uh, and in one of our next episodes, Campy's going to go through all of the regulations and the technical specs for the 2021 season. But Ferrari are focusing on changing around the back end of their car. And, of course, they've got Carlos Sainz now coming across from McLaren, Re- Renault before that, uh, and obviously the Red Bull program before that. So they might actually be hoping that he's bringing some information along with them because both the Renault chassis and the McLaren chassis both outperformed the Ferrari last year. So you mentioned uh, in our previous episode about Carlos Sainz really spanking Charles Leclerc and and being the number one driver in Ferrari Campy. Can you just talk us through why you think that is and and what kind of driver you think Carlos is? Uh, Yeah, look, he's a star. He went toe-to-toe with Max Verstappen and every every driver – that he's gone up against since then, he's beaten. Um, I think his toughest toughest was Lando. Um, but, again, I'm not sure on Leclerc. Yes, he was beating Vettel last year, but I don't think it was a fair indication mm. of where Vettel was driving at mm. his best last year, so it wasn't a fair comparison. If I'm comp- completely 100% honest, I don't think Sebastian Vettel's the driver of drivers that we think he has been because of his four world championships. In saying that, I'm just not sure where um, Leclerc is. And they painted him to be the second coming of Jesus Ferrari did. And <laughs> I don't think he's lived mm. up to his expectations inside that team. And uh, I think Signs will come in and give him a pretty good push. And we'll be looking at three or four races in. Signs has mm. come to grips with the car, come to grips with the team. And all the effort that Ferrari's put into Leclerc for the last two years and making him the number one driver, I think we're going to be having all the conversations about, well, who really is the number one driver at Ferrari moving forward. Which would be nice, to be honest, because we've spent an entire decade almost in Ferrari burning through number one drivers going to number two and then switching around, people being lost in feeling that. But Tommy T, Carlos Sainz, we've said, uh, especially in the 2019 season, we said that he was our most improved with McLaren. He obviously got a a podium, that third place in Brazil after the fact with a Hamilton penalty, which was amazing for McLaren. He got some podiums last year too, which was also great. Uh, A second in Monza too. The guy has it in him. As a fighting spirit, of course, his dad, being Carlos Sainz Senior, an amazing rally driver as well, yeah, and yeah. epic history in motorsport. The guy has the heritage, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a great driver. It's kind of going to be up to that car, to be honest, and how quickly he adapts to that car. And is that car any good? They're the two points. Leclerc has been in that team longer, and knows that car. To be honest, the car's been built around him the last two years mm. and not so much built around Seb. So he's got that advantage, and I think Leclerc's going to come out on top this year. I think Carlos is up against it with that. The team is just so focused around Leclerc. He's been 
Towson is the number one. Signs is coming in underneath. I think he's he's going to give it a red hot crack, but I just don't know if that car's going to suit him and how long is it going to take to readjust to how that car is set up and drives. There has to be a point though, doesn't there, within Ferrari when you think about, well, who is the number one and number two driver? And if Carlos is consistent, maybe more so than Charles, surely the, the wave starts flying back into thinking about maybe Carlos as being the number one driver. Because he's certainly got the talent to do that, right? And so he won't be sabotaged by Mattia Bonotto pressing the cancel engine button like he did with Seth in 2020. (laughs) Or he just becomes Rubens, Uh, the second coming of Rubens, and he's just the best number two we've ever seen. We love Rubens. Big fan. I just hope we don't see the off-field politics, off-track politics that Ferrari's given us the last two years. I hope they just come out, shut their mouth, stop talking about Ferrari and the history and how good it is, get this shit together on track and perform on track, get back to where we need them to be and want them to be in F1. Not necessarily winning every time, but we need them competitive because when Ferrari's at its best, the sport's at its best on a world scale. Yep. But just get it together off track. Put two drivers and two cars on track that are worth the name and the brand that you actually represent because you haven't done it for the last three years. so Yeah, there hasn't seemed to be much of a story or a love of Ferrari behind them, but Carlos Sainz brings an epic fan base. Uh, we know that he idolised Fernando Alonso back in the day, and now for Fernando to come back with Carlos at Ferrari, it would be mega for him. But we look, we wish yeah. him all the best. Uh, I think out of the two drivers, yeah. he's probably our favourite. Yeah. In Ferrari, all right, well, let's uh, <laughs> talk about uh, Fernando in uh, Campy's new favourite team name. What was that, Campy? Alpine. Alpine. We're going to... Uh, uh, hopefully we see a better livery. They released a, a winter test livery, which was basically they just got the Renault 2020 car <laughs> and then coloured in the yellow with some red, white and blue. Love that. Uh, it was very lazy and it wasn't <laughs> inspiring at all. But yeah. um, if that sets a tone for Alpine, then wow, okay. But it was a big shock, wasn't it? Because Cyril Abitable was supposed to be the head of the, yeah. the most sport for, for Alpine. He's now completely out of the picture altogether. Um, and whether that means that they've lost a lot of that edge that Cyril has been, you know, has had for, for almost a decade in this sport, yeah. who knows? But... They have brought in outside edge in uh, Campy's favourite driver of all time, Fernando Alonso. Talk to us about Fernando and why he is the best driver in the world, according to one Thomas J. Camp. <laughs> oh, I love the guy. He knocked Michael Schumacher off his pedestal back in the day. Yep. And that Renault, we saw it last year on track uh, in Bahrain, I believe. Yeah, look, I think it's a good story. Unfortunately for him, since 2005 and 2006, he has not been in a car which is capable of winning races and world championships week in, week out, and every year. Mm. Um, And that's frustrating. He's made moves at the wrong time and gone to the wrong places. But consistently getting wins in a Ferrari throughout that 2011 in the Red Bull period where they had no right to be even close to them. Mm. And that's the calibre of driver that Fernando is. So I think it's good for him. He gets one more crack at the sport. As why did... Why did Cyril Beeple move? May have been a move that Fernando made behind closed doors. Wow. I highly doubt that, by the way. I'm just I'm speculating. But <laughs> we love a good no, allegedly, allegedly. No, no, because we know Fernando throughout his whole career has been very much been a pretty politically divisive oh, character with inside teams. And he gets what he wants. Pretty. I don't, in saying that, I don't think part of the reason he got back was because of Cyril Beeple. 
for Reno or Alpine to make a decision like that. I thought it's because he couldn't win I an IndyCar. Like, <laughs> you've, you've got to be kidding me. Like, Cyril has bought that team back from its exception. Yep. I mean, they, Reno left when they shouldn't have and then bought the works team back, and he had them in good-looking shape last year. Yep. I mean, I think if they had held on Daniel Ricciardo for this year, Cyril would still have his job. Yep. Politics, they're like, how'd you lose a driver like Daniel Ricciardo? Well, Daniel Rick was going, yeah. was going anywhere, anytime, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, look, it's unfortunate, but Fernando mm. will absolutely spank Ocon this year. Now, Tommy T. And it will be Ocon's last year in Formula 1. Okay, we'll come to Ocon in just a moment. Tommy T., uh, you haven't been a massive fan of Formula One for the longest time. You're a massive fan now, which obviously is fantastic because you're sitting here. Uh, but Fernando was kind of before your time, yeah. uh, and that sort of gives a timeline to everyone listening at home. But in your mind, because we t- we've spoken about Fernando a lot in 2019 uh, after he left and McLaren started to make gains again, um, talk to us about what it means to you having a driver that is a two-time world champion held in such high esteem, goes away to try and win mm-hmm. um, the Indy 500 and then to come back, yeah. which is on the opposite end of the spectrum to this influx of young drivers coming through. What do you think as someone who's relatively new to the sport? I think he's just a competitive guy and he just wants to race. I don't think he cares yeah. what it is. Like you could find that guy go-kart and he'd have a red-hot crack. Yes. I don't True. think he cares. Yeah. I think he's yeah. just that keen to be back competing and he knows he can still race. He can, knows oh. he can still do it. His problem has always been can he get the right team and right machinery underneath him. Yeah. And to be honest, I think – Cyril wasn't doing such a great job and is probably right to be kicked out. They needed something fresh. I I genuinely think that he hasn't done that great of a job. I think they could have been way better. Their strategies were horrible. Some of their, like, technical Mm. stuff was really average. And they are an engine manufacturer and their engine was very unreliable for themselves, let alone other teams. (laughs) And they're not selling it to anyone. And it wasn't getting better. It's not getting better. So when you get beat by a customer team, you can't be doing that well. So. Like, Camby's got some great points. He did a lot of good things for Renault and getting Daniel Rick was one of them in the early days. But Daniel Rick signed a two-year contract because he was going to go straight away. We knew that. He wasn't hanging around. I don't think that was on the cards. Once the two-year came up, we were like, well, he's going somewhere and people were trying to save Ferrari, but he made the right decision. It wouldn't shock me that if Renault picked up right where they were from last year and grew and were getting podiums consistently. If they skipped 19 (laughs) and did that straight away. Because it would be Daniel Rick luck. No, no, I mean that in the nice light. Look, that that car could potentially come out and be the third best car on track. Yeah, and as I said in the last episode, we've got so much riding on McLaren for us because yeah. <laughs> we want them to be so successful with Danny Rick that uh, potentially we're a little bit blind to how Alpine can can do this year. Um, Ocon, though, you mentioned his last year in Formula One. Look, I think you're. Right. Career-defining year for him. I think next year, uh, so we can become more Australianly biased, um, Oscar Piastri <laughs> steps up. Straight uh, through. Because I reckon Straight he'll through. win Formula 2 next uh, this yep. year because uh, he is an amazing driver and has a really good head on him uh, and is a, a Melbourne boy, so obviously we're yeah. a little bit more biased towards him um, than rather than being from Perth. But <laughs> Ocon... <laughs> Well, the best thing, <laughs> the best thing that Ocon did was have that little kerfuffle with Max in the garage, so that Max could sit at a table like this in uh, in the post race <laughs> press conference. And Making one journalist French. said, "Oh, you know, is there anything you'd like to say to Ocon?" And he said, "He's a pussy." <laughs> and Kimi Raikkonen sitting there like this. <laughs> 
That was oh, Kimi Räikkönen's best face made in Formula One press conference history. But Ocon, uh, he look, he got a second place, which is higher than Danny Rick, but it was purely Very by lucky. luck. And so he he's sort of coming in with <laughs> this, I think, false, potentially false sense of <laughs> into the mic. Blow. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Rowan, as to your ears. Uh, um, but that, that kind of driver against Daniel Ricky was really it was shit. Up, right? Terrible. <laughs> and but the but Sandy was. Danny Rick once, hmm. yeah. or twice technically, once was in the wet. Danny Rick got held up very early on in the season. Yeah, you can he see was, why Mercedes lent him out no, no, from their program. No, no, look, he was one of these new drivers that came on the grid at the same time as your uh, Max Verstappens, your Pierre Gasly's and your Lando Norris's and your, uh, just after Carlos Sainz, the next generation coming through. It only showed a lot when he was driving for um, Racing Point at the time that used to be called Force, Force India. India. Um, <laughs> How far back do you want to go? And he, yeah. un- unfortunately, he had to have a year off. I don't think the year off was detrimental to his career or his driving style at all. He just came up against a driver like Daniel Ricciardo, which made him look second rate. Now, we can talk about qualifying, but race pace is the thing where Danny Rick truly made him look like a Muppet. Um, Qualifying was, what, 17 to 15 to 2 or whatever it was, but race pace consistently... When Danny Rick was behind him, how many him for times did he have reason. to ask the team, "Can this guy move get out of the way? way? I'm ready to go. Yeah. Get out of the way. Get yeah, this and guy he didn't. He wasn't way. yielding. Like he wasn't yeah. doing the Lando and the Carlos thing because no. they were. Yeah. It would be like right. maybe one radio call to say, "Hey, he's behind you. He's on faster tires. Okay, cool. No worries. Move. No. Yeah. Like it was just. Yeah. And it's frustrating for us watching at oh, home from a strategy point of view because. If he's not doing it and he's saying, oh, you know, I really thought I had Danny and I'm pushing hard, it's like, no, mate, you're actually ruining the overall team and you're getting in the way of our boy Danny yeah. Rick. And no one does that on this podcast Don't and gets it. away with it. Yeah. That's the uh, that's the issue. But yeah, it's, his, it's Ocon's last year. Fernando's going to spank him yeah. this year. You, you agree with that, Tommy T, I agree. agree. All right, let's, let's talk about uh, Aston Martin. Uh, and it's been very good of Aston Martin to uh, really start their brand new name afresh by getting Prince William to drive for the team. Oh, no, it is Sebastian Vettel. He just looks exactly the same because he's lost all of his hair. Is that a, is that a meme? For us follicly challenge, a... can you shut up? <laughs> There's no I way this receding airline, which I'm trying to cover up. So. Is, that, is that a meme? Look, that's got to be an internet thing, Rob. Yes, oh, Welcome to the internet. <laughs> Mate. Campus internet exploration. How do I use this iPad? James and I have to print memes out for candy, otherwise we won't see them. I remember the very first season of this podcast. City's mailbox. The very first season of this podcast, we were giving shit to Seb about his terrible haircut. That one that was was like like a bowl. It was a bowl cut. How did he lose that much hair? It was like 18 months ago. Ferrari sucked it all off the top of his head. It was terrifying to see. It's like, okay, as you know, you watch the the little Instagram reel of, of Seb driving in and an Aston Neil, that was so cool, and he gets out of the car, you're like. I thought that was a piss take. It's got to be a piss take. Who is that? He had who heaps was? of hair at the end of last year. That's what driving for Ferrari does to you. Watch out, Carlos. We know you got luscious locks, so just maybe keep a hat on or something. I don't know. But Seb Vettel, Campy, Seb Vettel, you mentioned before that as a four-time world champion, 
He is an amazing driver, but like we say of Lewis Hamilton uh, in the Mercedes for the last couple of years, it can be a lot about the car that's around you. Now, in Ferrari last year, he wasn't doing a wonderful job, poor Seb. We thought it might have been a little bit of a Ferrari collusion uh, in a lot of cancel button happening from the pit <laughs> wall, but that's all kind of going to go away for this year as he finds himself in Aston Martin. Now, there's, we're not saying that he doesn't have talent. We're not saying that he isn't very qualified to be able to bring this team to the next level, but the, he has everything to play for because if it doesn't work for him this year, then there's going to be a lot of question marks as to why Lawrence Stroll let go of Sergio Perez, who was doing an amazing job for the team. Campy, talk to us about Seb Vettel and why you <coughs> think it's a good idea for him to be in Aston Martin or oh, not I this year. I mm. don't think it's a good idea. I think he should have held off from signing so early and gone with Red Bull because they would have opened up the um, – they would have rolled the red carpet out for him and he would have been a number two to Max and no one's beaten Max except Danny Rick or Lewis, arguably. So, um, you know, he doesn't – I don't think he's going to perform well this year. He might have a great car and I think Stroll – Probably match him and if not beat him. Oh, just a big thing to say. Scathing but review. But if Seb drove like he has for the last couple of years, particularly last year and mm. how bad he was, we don't know that Ferrari sandbagged him, but we're pretty sure they did. So. <laughs> allegedly, we think we they did. Allegedly, allegedly, we know. But <laughs> it's a, it's a look. If he gets beaten by Stroll, it's going to do a lot. Ah. Uh. For the, it'll be for the driver that he goes down in the history books yeah. as, mm. it'll be very interesting. But um, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about Aston Martin this year. Love the I colours. Think, I think they got rid of. Yeah, they got rid of Checo as a branding exercise. Great. As a branding exercise, fantastic. Well done <laughs> to Lawrence. Well done. They got rid of Checo and kept Stroll on merit. And for me, the any F1 on merit team, on merit in inverted commas. Allegedly, any team that keeps Lance Stroll on merit is a dud in my book. So yeah. Well, look, has flashes, performs, not consistent, yeah. not good enough. Look at the way Checo, like, pants, like, made him look so yeah, bad last year. It's not funny. Yeah. When he finally got the equal car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when the development. Eight rounds in. Yeah, anyway. not wrong. But, look, we hope Seb does well, don't we, this year? I came around on Seb. Mm. I, I felt kind of kind of started feeling sorry for him last year. Yeah. Um, we definitely think there was some funny business going on at, at Ferrari towards the end there. Mm. Um, it's going to be interesting to see Stroll. I, he's so inconsistent and he has great moments. Yeah. Rips out one of those qualifying occasionally and you're like, how yeah. did you do that? And mm. then Gets a just stuffs the, the race. Mm. Yeah. Incredible moments but just no consistency. And I think hopefully Seb can be consistent against him. The problem was, I think, at Ferrari, the team had shifted so far around the club, but we just don't know how much that affects Seb's results. So yeah. it's all speculation but really hoping for good things for Seb this year. Okay, let's talk about our favourite team for this year, which is McLaren. We'll start not with our favourite driver, though, so let's start with Lando. Uh, Funny guy. Look, great guy. I think this is going to be an interesting year for him because he's come out of a two-year partnership with Carlos Sainz. They really got on very well together off track, but it seemed they shared a lot of on-track data as well. That comes from a great leadership team that Zach Brown's put out. We bloody love McLaren, love don't we? We love Zach Brown. We love the leadership all the way through. Andreas Silas, fantastic. James Key's fantastic. Now with Danny Rick in there as well as Lando. Uh, certainly my favourite team and driver pairing on the grid. However, 
It's been interesting last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, a lot of the Formula One community has loved the memes with Lando and Carlos along the way. And Danny Rick has come out and said, I'm not really going for the lols. I am happy to be there yeah. and be a bit funny, but I'm not necessarily that way inclined. So don't get too prepped for it, which probably has I made Lando it. think a little I bit about it. what this year means for him. Mind games already. Mind it's, games. And Campy had a point in <laughs> yeah. our 2020 season uh, review talking about he's had two years. This is Lando has had two years in Formula One. Did very well. Got a you know got a third place in Austria and had a mad Zach Brown hug, and I'm sure that was fantastic. <laughs> Love a, a bear him. hug, kind of almost looked like he did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's going to be a different year for him. Campy, talk us through why you think it's going to be a, a, almost a make or break for Lando because he doesn't belong to a junior driver program. There's not like a succession plan for him. This is the team. Like if McLaren become a great team, this is where he sits. Look, in my Humble opinion. Mm. Which is professional. (laughs) No, no, look. uh, Humble. Look, he's going to be in an interesting spot by this time next year Mm. or even before that, you know. Ten ten races in, I think we're going to know what we think about um, Lando Norris. He's in an interesting spot. Qualifying, him and Carlos have been pretty good. They've been pretty consistent, pretty the same. But you are not going to get a drive for a fourth year in your F1 career if you haven't beaten a teammate three years on the trot. Mm. It's just not going to happen. So he's going to be in a peculiar situation. I think Danny Rick's going to come and make Lando Norris look a bit like Ocon did last year. Yep. He might, there are three A-plus drivers on this grid, Lewis Hamilton, uh, Max Verstappen, and Daniel Ricciardo. They are miles above everybody else. Then you have a section below that in which your Carlos and your Landos and your Sergio Perez sit and your Hulkenbergs and those ones. Well, never going to make the the top A plus drivers, and I've, it's going to be hard for McLaren looking at him next year. Going, do we put another year into him? Mm. Great number two, great teammate, but yeah. three years in a row not beating your teammate in the championship, and that is the number one thing you can do in F one is beat your teammate yeah. to ensure that you know that's the best comparison up front that you can possibly get. Yeah, in a sport that's really hard to compare, that's yeah. the only comparison you can do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's teammates. great for off track. Great for his social media. He seems like a likable kid. I don't, I don't know him. I don't watch it. Like, I see some of it here and there. We print out occasional great. things and send but, it to Campy. But that ain't going to get you a drive full time Formula One. Being a nice guy. Yeah, and look, he's changed. I think his, his focus a lot. Even to twenty twenty, he changed his focus a lot. It's changing again. Uh, hopefully, he learns from Daniel and he becomes a great driver. I don't. I think it's also important to say that we think he's better than Ocon and it's yeah. not going to be probably as much of a spanking as what potentially it was last year. But Ooh, yeah, you turn cut. No, no, I think Lando's great and I think he's an incredibly good driver. He's going to learn from Daniel though. In what, what I'm saying is Ocon didn't necessarily, for my mind, pick up a lot of what Danny Rick was trying to do. He's trying to yeah. compete with him too much rather than learn from him, and I think Lando's got an opportunity yeah. to do that. Um, but McLaren's fantastic. Uh, Danny Rick. Danny Rick. I mean, we bloody love this bloke, if you haven't figured that out by now. Um, I think well, Zach, Zach Brown has been grooming that spot for him for yeah. however long since he got there. Yep. He knew that's the guy he wanted. He's been hunting him down. Yep. They're going to design that car around him exactly how he likes to drive, late braking, Really aggressive. Love that. They've got a great power unit on the way. Like they're ticking all these boxes. They're a fun kind of brand to be a part of. I don't know what else you could ask for if you're Danny. That's, it's kind of like they were made for him. It's 
going to be a great place to work. It's going to be in like one of the best facilities on the Formula One grid yeah. to work in that factory with that team. I just don't see how it can go wrong. Like, <laughs> well, certainly his new daily whip is a lot better than a McGann Cup. Correct. Oh, what's the new Alpine whip? <sighs> oh, whatever. Something, something that doesn't look that great. <laughs> like, Looks like a frog. Danny Rick's gamble over the last two contracts he's had over the four years is coming down to next year and yep. how much McLaren can develop the car and get in front of the new regulations for next year, which was supposed to be this year, by the way. Yeah. Um. Because of COVID, they've been pushed back. But um, next year is his year. Yeah. And that's the year he's got all his eyes on and he's putting all the gold and all the pennies into his bucket looking for next year. Because if McLaren can get it together on track and give him the card, Danny Rick will deliver every day of the week. Yeah. Hopefully he's got a lot of pennies mm-hmm. and gold mm-hmm. in and his a bucket. Big bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a real shit analogy. <laughs> <laughs> But you're right. Look, he but can have all of my pennies and gold if he wants. You put up with two seasons of me just making a mockery of the English language <laughs> at the best of times. Welcome to 2021. Yeah, bigger and better. Are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but look, McLaren, we think, is going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. Hopefully we're right. We'll keep everything crossed. Uh, Red Bull, let's talk about Red Bull. Uh, Checo Perez, of course, got announced after the season finished for 2020 that correct he was going across, which is the correct decision, Thank absolutely. The second correct decision was Nico Hockenberg. The third correct decision was Seb Vettel, but he was already tied up. Uh, let's talk about Checo because, as he said, walking into the factory on social media, uh, he did never think that he'd be able to be driving for a brand like Red Bull. Now, this is interesting coming from someone who's been on the grid for a lot longer than anyone else uh, that's been on the grid currently going, oh, well, coming into a top team like this without being in the junior program is almost impossible where he's proven that isn't the case. Mm. But he has a lot to prove in his first year inside Red Bull, Tommy T. What has he got to do in the first couple of races to really show that he is different to Albon and different to Gasly? In my mind, you're in the second best car. Fifth or fourth is the minimum achievement Mm. every week. I think Campy's going to be a bit harsher than that. Campy will say the minimum is second. He will. Mm. But I think where Albon (laughs) and Gasly and Kvyat all fell down was they were far too behind Mm. Max every week in qualifying, race pace, everything. They weren't there to rear gun. They were consistently well in the midfield when they really are in that top tier of car. So as long as he is in the back end of that top pack, I think he'll skate by because there's no better option in Red Bull as we've seen. So that's his minimum requirement. Hopefully he overachieves that. But I think as long as he's hitting those fifths and fourths and he's getting the occasional podium, he's doing those like real Checo-y kind of things where something goes wrong, there's an incident early on and he just makes a set of tyres last. Those yeah. kind of things, whips yep. out a podium occasionally, does those things because that's what you want. When Max has an off in a crash or something, you go, you better get a podium there, mate, because there's no car in yeah. front of you. Yeah. yeah, That's what he needs to do and that's what Albon didn't do and neither did Gasly and Kvyat. And from running last to first last year in an amazing race, he has the ability to do that when Big the time. car around him can perform like that. He, we had a bit of a rocky start with McLaren. It was too early for him. But even when Force India was doing pretty well, he was up fighting at the top of that mid-pack. So... There is a lot to play for for him. Campy, talk to us about figures. How far off does he need to be in the first qualifying session for Max in Bahrain? Two tenths. Two tenths is acceptable in that car. Um, I'm genuinely stoked for Checo that he got another shot at a top drive 
he was a lot like an Albon or a Gasly who got that top drive early on in his career, which was way too, too early. early. And even by the end of the season, Jensen Button was going, this guy is quick and he showed so fair. much yeah. in the second half of that season in McLaren that he probably should have retained that top drive, but the decision had already been made. So I'm genuinely stoked that he got in a car that's going to be competitive week in, week out. We know he's got the ruthless tenacity like Max Verstappen. You know, to grit his teeth and get the job done, and he's consistently done it, so I'm genuinely happy, but he's got to be within two tenths, and race pace, he has to be, you know, within five seconds of the staff in every lap to make that, to make, to secure a drive for next year. Yep. Because I don't think he's only on a one-year contract. Red Bull aren't showing a lot of faith in him by giving him two. This is his time to perform, and if he doesn't do it, he's on the outer. Um, Red Bull will bring someone else in pretty quickly, I think. Yeah. I hope he gets it first. So do I. Yeah, yeah, honestly, because the car we have seen from 2020 season uh, is capable of doing that. And there will be times where he will be ahead of Max for whatever reason. We know Max mm. is one of the best drivers on the grid, but circumstance shows, especially again last year, that Sergio has great racecraft and oh, is yeah. able yep. to put it towards the front when it matters. And uh, so I'm sure that uh, Karen Horner and others will be very happy about that, being, being able to be closer to the front of the grid, even within shot maybe of a Constructors' Championship would be interesting. <laughs> Let's talk about Mercedes. VB, this is the year that Campy thinks is his year to be a world championship driver. Talk us through what it is for VB this yeah, year and what he needs to do. It's his last chance to win it, really. I mean, you like, the championship for the last seven years and this year is going to be between two cars and the two Mercedes, whoever gets the upper hand. And Valtteri has been... A good number two and shown a lot of times, but had a lot of bad luck and mistakes in crucial moments that you just, your hands go up in the air and yeah. go, what does this guy have to do right? I think this year it's all been a swoop in line for him. I think Lewis is going to have some moments. He's going to capitalise on, on that moment. I think we're going to see a lot like 2016 when Rosberg beat Hamilton for the uh, Drivers' World Championship. And I think Valtteri, he's he's good enough to do it. Yeah, he is. Yeah, absolutely. And he just needs to – look, last year we were talked about he needs to get his qualifying right. He needs to be consistently better in qualifying. Yep. And he was last year. He was consistently there. It was really even. Um, unfortunately, there was incidents that happened in the race and starts happened. If he can get his qualifying right there, he can sort out his starts so that they're better than what they were last year. He's got it in him. We know he's had the fastest reaction time to a start in the history oh, of the grid. Amazing. <laughs> he's got it in him to get the starts. It's just confidence and he just needs to relax. Lewis does this week in, week out, comes out, phenomenal starts. But um, my money's on. I just want to see someone different win than Hamilton. Please. So I'm rooting for Please. Bottas in 2016. I was rooting for Wasberg. Just come on. Something different. Yeah, something different. It'd be great to see. Mercedes as a whole. Probably have it together this year, don't they? Yeah. But um, VB it's really so has to good. shine this year. He's He's got to. Like, you and I talk about it a lot, but when we were watching him dominate two years ago, mm. was it nearly three now back in Melbourne? Incredible. We were like, this guy's on it. This is going to be his year. Yeah. Finally coming around. And then just unfortunate events, unlucky here and there. And Lewis kind of just wanted it more sometimes. Like going into the first turn, Neck and neck, and you just see VB kind of like give way, like, dude, just stick with it, like, take mm, him, yeah. wreck your car once, just do Nico kind of stuff where you're like, mate, you're not getting past me, I'm getting past, or we're wrecking. 
today. Yeah. Like, yeah. None of us are winning. I'm not leaving that door open. Kind of, he just needs that level of like want it and kind of like what has he got to lose? Like they're not going to keep you around if you don't perform. So you might as well wreck the car this year. Bloody go for it. Every race is the way Bonas has to think about it is every race is him and Hamilton. Yeah. Don't worry about everyone else. They're going to win the constructors by mile and the drivers by yeah. mile. Walk away with it. If they can crash and Bottas keeps the lead for another week for another race, yeah. that's a result for that's Bottas good. and he needs yeah. to keep it. Neutral. Yep, absolutely. He's got to think that way. He's got to be that aggressive with Hamilton because Hamilton's yeah. that aggressive with him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, Lewis is uh, able to get his eighth world championship this year if he does indeed sign for Mercedes. This is probably likely to happen anyway. Does it make him the go? No. Um, <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. Uh, what it does make is the 1,000 people working in the Mercedes factory, the goats, because uh, there's a team yeah. incredibly le- well led by Toto Wolf. We'll do another episode around different teams and leadership later on in the season, but we think that Toto is an incredible change agent and really mm. drag- dragged that team all the yeah. way through from when Schumacher was racing for them to be as good as they are. And Lewis forms part of that, but... In the 2021 season, we would love for VB to win. But that's our thoughts. That's our preview on what the 2021 season is going to be all about. Uh, If you have any comments, uh, please share them with us. You can find us on many different social media platforms. All of those links are in the description below. We're also on Discord, so ahead of the first race. Uh, You can join that server and chat with the three of us as uh, Campy tries to figure out how that works, but texting (laughs) on that through the races as well. And uh, if you love Tommy T's uh, jumper here, you can grab that as well. Uh, you can find that link here. That'll appear in a, in a banner above. But our merch is pretty sick for this I'd, year. We're pretty happy with the news, Campy. I just, I just care about the fantasy league and I want the best fantasy league league in the whole world. Will we give well away said. some merch? <laughs> <laughs> Fantasy League League. <laughs> the Fantasy League League for Oz F1 last year were incredible. Yeah, for, for this season of the Oz F1 show, uh, we'll be able to share them with you. Uh, what we'll do is we'll set up the Oz F1 Fantasy League when we're able to do that. So you'll be able to find that link in the description below if you're fi- following us on YouTube or head to our website. You'll be able to find all the merch and a hell of a lot more stuff, including some written content as well by yours truly and Campy. It's going to be a great (laughs) 2021 season. We can't wait to do it with you. Thanks so much for watching and we'll catch you on the next episode. Look at Yas Queen down there. Yas Queen Island. Judah. I need a a five second uh, dead point. So please don't make any noise, okay? Okay, thank you. You are a loud breather, aren't you? I'm trying to have five seconds of quiet and it's impossible. Oh, for f**k's sake, just start. No, they asked for it, not us. You f**k.